what a privilege to be back with you after this study break time and to be able to share in this series of messages that we launched today. Uh, I know that uh, probably many, if not all of you, will identify with uh, this first statement that I'll make. Uh, that life is a mad race. Now, I didn't just say a race. It's a mad race. Life is full of, uh, of demands. Uh, if you are that stay-at-home mom or dad, then you know what it's like to chase spills and smells and, and, and spillages coming out of the pores and the, uh, the, the, the parts of our body uh, that you've got to chase and get rid of those smells and spills uh, consistently. Um, you are in the business world. You know what the mad dash is on Monday. In fact, you won't even wait till Monday morning. Some of y'all will have have to be running reports tonight before Monday morning ever comes along because a corporation down the street wants to have those reports bright and early on Monday morning. You know what that's like for that race in every week. And you know that you've got to constantly uh, create margin and yes, yet decrease margin and cre- increase cost and yet decrease cost. Or you've got to expand, but you've got to decrease. It's, there's so much in that rat race of, of trying to get ahead of the competitor competitor who's like he's never sleeping or she's never sleeping and they're just constantly pushing out new product and you've got to come out with new product. The race, the chase that's out there. If you're a student in school, you know what it's like every year as we get ready to go back to school. Am I going to make the team? Is there going to be somebody else move into town? Or if you're new into town, will I be accepted in the school? I was at this standing at my last school. Will I be there or below that? Will I be accepted? Will I, will I make the cut? And so we're constantly being challenged. Will I make the grade? Will I make mom and dad happy this year? You know, constantly, will I make the scholarships? Will I'd be accepted to that school. Constant, constant, constant pull. What do you do with it? How do you chase it? Or how do you manage the chase? And how do you deal with this mad dash called life? And wherever you are right now, in fact, even as I sit there and describe some of that, I could almost sense in the room the blood pressure was climbing. Because you came in this room to escape it. Uh, and, and I just reminded you of it. What are you going to do as we start this series called Chase? That word in itself gives the idea of energy being spent, of cardio increasing, of, of sweat, uh, of, of stresses on the body, the life, the mind, the whatever. And so I kind of want you this, this week to kind of, as we lay the foundation, really kind of get where you're at and do some self-awareness, if you will. Self-aware of who you are, where you are, how you're doing in the race, and you get to classify yourself, okay? So if you've been here any length of time, we do this just from time to time, and I love, I love the instantaneous gratification of getting the responses back instantly. Take out your phones. We're going to take a, a survey. You're going to text the survey in. What you're going to do is you're going to text the, the letters GPCNWA to the number 22333. That will enroll you into the survey. Okay, just a little hoop. Now, if your parents don't let you text, I'm not giving you that permission. Okay, here's the question that you're going to be answering, though, in the text. Which word best describes your life? 
Which of these words best describes your life? Now, this is a live survey. This is the results from the first service, and then you'll begin to populate. Do you, or you feel frustrated? You feel like, okay, I, you know what? I just can never get ahead. The laundry is always there. The, the tasks are always before me. There's always smells and spills and things like that that I'm constantly dealing with. You're just frustrated. You can never get the recognition you want from your boss. You can never get accepted into the, that group of people. I don't know. Frustrated. Exhausted. Notice the exhaust. Now, again, I don't want this to prejudice your, your answers. Think about it. Am I, are you exhausted with life? Life right now, you don't have enough energy, enough time in your day. You don't have enough rest in your evenings. They talk about eight hours of sleep. Maybe if you combine two nights worth, you might get eight hours of sleep uh, in, in that. I don't know what it is. Exhausted chaos. It's like, Mike, I look at my life and I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to start. I don't know which end is up or which end is down. I look at life and it's one great big chaotic mess. Maybe you're the spinner out there, the person who is just spinning the wheels. You got lots of energy and you want to get somewhere and you want to go somewhere and you want to accomplish something and you're chasing after it, but all you're doing is spinning your wheels. Classify yourself, okay? Now, again, I may not classify yourself the way, or you might be, and I pray to God that we'll have more and more people here. They just feel fulfilled. They, 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 they feel like, okay, yeah, they're tired at the end of the day, and yeah, they're successful, and yeah, they're, they're where they believe, believe they need to be, and yeah, things are good overall and, and in all. And so you need to kind of put yourself in one of those buckets and kind of figure it out because when you do this, you're going to begin to see, as you peel back some layers today, kind of where you are and what are you chasing after. Hopefully, you'll build, begin to identify that. So I want to give you three words real quickly. Jot them down and circle kind of where we're at or kind of know where we're going through this message. Is I, If we're wherever we are and the majority of people felt look like that, looked exhausted, you've got to first of all arrest it. Okay? Reach out and grab it. Grab life and take it down. You can no longer allow this world to, to, to dictate your life. Okay? Once you arrest it, whatever it is, once you get control over it, you know, uh, whatever that peer pressure is, whatever that is out there, you arrest it, stop it. Now begin to assess it deeply. Arrest the madness. Assess it. Why? Ask the question why more than what. We ask the question what too much. We should ask the question what. Okay, what's going on? But we need to ask the question why as much as what. Because why gets at the root of the issue. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I on my third job and I'm still burned out again? Why am I on my third relationship and I'm burned out on this relationship? If you continue this cycle for the next 10, 15 years, where is it going to be? Until you stop and arrest it, until you begin to assess your life and where it's at, and you've got to go deep. Some of this comes from childhood. Some of this comes from the mapping of your life and the way you grew up and the way you were raised. Some of this was just how you were trained and thought. A lot of things could contribute to that. And then you adjust. All right, a lot of this series is going to be about adjusting our life. Now, the word adjust means change. 
We know what insanity is. It's doing the same thing, expecting different results. You've got to arrest. You've got to assess. You've got to adjust. What is it that we need to adjust? Where are our priorities? What are we chasing after consistently and continually that's driving us crazy? Now, be careful. There are certain pitfalls out there. Certain things out there that we will chase after and we can sometimes take a little bit of like pancake syrup on pancakes. We can pour a little bit of Jesus across it and call it, call it okay. Okay, and that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about saturated our life with with this. We need to be careful because there's some some things out there that will get us off. The marketeers, okay, they're out there, and they're constantly creating product. They're constantly creating new ideas. Some of y'all, I just talked about you just a few moments ago because this is what you do. It's what you get paid for. You like this. You like creating new interests and so forth. You, in fact, you probably have as the Bible of your book uh, a book that uh, has been out for a while, Why People Buy Things They Don't Need. It literally is a marketing book on how you sell to people. Now, now listen to some of the words that that Pamela uh, puts in her writings here. She says, we need to teach these Americans uh, how to move the customer from just looking to I can't live without it. That's what she's talking about here. And we need to give purpose or purchase a purpose, okay? And if we can create that, then we're going to be able to tap into the $2.8 trillion of discretionary money that's out there in America. That's what we spend in a year. $2.8 trillion, not needs, necessities. I got I to have a roof. I got to have clothes on my back. I, I, this is discretionary money. All right, that we have out there. And beware, you're going to be chasing what the marketeers are putting out there, okay? What they're putting out there. Be be, be aware of that. Here's another thing. Beware of your career path. Your career path, some people create this idea in them or is it created in them, or it's, it's, it's just in them. They've been achievers. They've been a successful people. They've been, they've been high achievers, high capacity people, and they're just looking for the next rung. And they will take the family and they'll move them anywhere in the world at any given time just to get ahead, just to climb that next rung. They will disrupt heaven and earth because of that. Now, some of you who are new to the area, You're gouging your dad or your mom right now because you moved me from my friends because of your career path. And you know what it's like to chase that that next rung. And I just want to tell you, I'm not saying it's wrong. Just like marketeers, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that if you end up chasing these, these distractions, these detours, beware you will find yourself leaning your, your, your ladder against the wrong wall and climbing up the wrong wall in life. Another one is our children. Now, these are all good things. Our children, though, if we're not careful, will become what we chase. We chase them to ball practice and we chase them to dance recitals and we chase chase them here and we take them there and we do this. And life, here's this, life becomes about the children. And we wonder why our children grow up and think the world ought to revolve around them. Well, we made it about them. 
We lived for them. We spent for them. We did everything for them because we thought them on that traveling team and them on that dance competition and them at that academic competition, that was going to get them ahead. And maybe it is going to get them ahead. And maybe they're going to be that 1% or that 5% or that 2%. Somebody's got to be it, right? Maybe it's going to be my kid. And we live our life chasing our children and sometimes to the detriment of our own marriage. And all of a sudden, the kids move out of the house and we look across the table at one another and say, what do we have in common anymore? Because our kids were everything that we lived for. The average American will spend $233,610 to raise one child. Greatest birth control method right there is to show you that statistic, all right? Um, those of you who ever thought, hey, you know, you, you got to save up the money to have kids. You'll never save up enough money to have children. I'll promise you that. You just jump into it and pray to God he provides. But here's another one. Our passions. Beware. These are things that we chase. This is not external. This is not what the marketeers deal with. This is not what our boss tells us. Hey, you need to do this if you're going to climb to the next letter or we're going to blackball you. This is not what our children are saying the school teachers are wanting from them or the, the extracurricular people are wanting from them. This is something that doesn't happen out here. It happens in here. The passions of our heart, the lust, the desires, the want for more, never content, the power grabbing, the, the envy, the strife, the, the I'm going to be number one, the pride, the arrogance, the, I got to have bigger and better. And it's nobody else out there saying it to us. It's only inside of ourselves. And we come back with a self-justification. We end up chasing it. And we're one paycheck away from bankruptcy. And we're one bad move about being caught about that thing that we've been looking at that hopefully nobody else will see that I'm looking at it or I'm doing it. Beware. Every one of these right here can become a distraction, can become a detour, can become a dead end in your life. In another word, it can become an idol. Be extremely careful. We're going to start a study and it won't look like it today. It will look totally different week to week, but it will look definitely different next week. We're going to look at a phrase, a two-word English phrase and actually one word in the Greek language and it's the words, follow me. It's Jesus' invitation. It's mentioned 20 times in the four Gospels, translated 40, uh, 20 times in the, in, the, in the four Gospels and across different scenarios and situations to, to large groups of people, to small groups of people, to, to family, to friends, to men, to women, to, to politically right, to politically left, to, to those in and those out and those up and those down. Is he constantly, he's not whimsically, he's not flippantly saying, follow me. He's strategically saying, follow me. And he is calling us, he's inviting us into a fellowship, if you will, into a 
chasing after into a pursuing. And here's what I want to erase today, because I know it's been true of me. I, I believe it's been true of many Americans that this idea of following Jesus or calling ourselves a follower of Jesus or uh, that I'm, it's just, just some kind of, some kind of saunter walk behind Jesus. And every now and then we might do something a little radical, uh, but really by and large, it's a pretty safe walk behind and we're always several steps behind him. So if we ever want to deviate off course, or if as long as I go to church and I follow him to church one day a week, then I can kind of go in my own pathway over here the rest of the week. Stop it. Erase it. Reboot. And let's understand, follow me, what that real invitation meant and still means to this day. That 44 times he will say it in Scripture. 20 times, excuse me, he will say it in Scripture. He will say it so many times that he says it in the beginning and he says it at the end. But again, I think in our culture today, we have so watered down what it means to follow Jesus that it really is a snooze in the sunshine. Wilbur Reese wrote a statement that was written years and years and years ago back when segregation was far more rampant. But he makes a statement that I think uh, still pertains to us today if you want to talk about pick and choose a la carte Jesus following. Listen to these words because I don't think we're that far off from it today. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. And please, not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. Notice the satire here. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man, a different race, a different color, a different ethnicity, maybe an immigrant, or to pick beets with an immigrant, with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want the pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. The calling of Jesus to follow, the invitation of Jesus to follow me is an all-in, all-out pursuit, chasing after, longing for, hungering after, going, putting all the chips on the table, in the center of the table, and saying, God, everything is yours. I'm not chasing these other things anymore. I'm chasing, I'm pursuing, I'm longing for you. And however you disrupt my life and whoever you make me love and however you disturb my sleep, so be it, Lord, my life is yours. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, follow me. Follow me. I go back to the words of uh, C.S. Lewis when he wrote an essay called The, right, the, the, uh, uh, the White of, uh, of Glory. He said this, he said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Our desires are chasing after, are pursuing Him. They're not strong, they're actually weak. We are half-hearted creatures. Hang on to that word, half-hearted. Fooling about with the drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. 
Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. He, he draws that comparison of a child making mud pies in the slum as if, if that's all the water he needs to make him satisfied, if that's the water that he's going to live and, and live his life in and around, and, and that's, that's all. And we become half-hearted, content with just mud pies and muddy waters in the slums when all along Jesus is offering us a holiday at the sea. Am I saying it's going to be easy? Not on your life. But I am saying it's going to be fulfilling. It's going to be complete. It's going to be one, a life without regret. And I want to call us today to a hot, passionate pursuit of God where there is this holy discontent inside of me where there's no longer this passive following, where there's this hot-hearted following God where I'm longing and pursuing and chasing Him like a lion would pursue a gazelle. Like a, a little boy on the playground would chase a little girl to try to get a kiss. Like the police would chase a bad guy to get him off the streets that we would go and expend ourselves and live our lives running and chasing and pursuing. I think it's where Paul was calling us to in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and following. He said, do you not know that, that, that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it so that I do not run aimlessly. I don't run aimlessly. I'm running as if there's only going to be one winner at the end and it's going to be me. You talk about determination. You talk about commitment. You talk about surrender. You talk about sacrifice. You talk about putting all in. That's a person who's got the chips on the table and they're all in. So here's the question for you. Are you ready to run fast after the Lord? And how fast are you, by the way? How fast are you going to run after God? I want to zero in on that word fast, and we're going to keep coming back to that because that's really kind of what I want to see is maybe the definition that we will at least use as a working definition during this idea of chasing. Am I going fast? How fast am I going? What does fast look like? So again, if I can give a corny uh, an acronym here, just jot it down on the paper and you can keep it or improve upon it. But very, uh, the word, the letter F represents first, okay? Simple enough. Is Jesus first in my life? Is he first? First in my finance, first in my family, first in my thoughts, first in my ideas, first in, in who I go to when I have a question, first in who I go to when I have a need, first in, you know, is he first? Is he first in thought in, my, in the decisions of my life? And we have to go deep here. And let me just suggest you, don't answer that question yourself completely. Ask your boss, ask the people you're around, ask your spouse Who's first in my life? And, 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 get ready for the answer that you may not want to hear. Who's first in your life? 
If Jesus is first, that's okay. If he's not first, he's not okay with number two. He's not, he's not okay with second. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, Peter Lord would say. And I think Jesus makes this quite clear. In one of those times, of those 20 times that he said, hey, I want you to come and follow me, we find in Luke chapter 9, one of these examples of, of the invitation. He says, to another, he said, follow me. Invitation, follow me. But they had this idea of follow me means, okay, I'm going to follow you when it's convenient, when it's in my leisure, when I got other things taken care of. Then, Jesus, I'm going to step in line and I'll be your favorite. So this is what the guy says to Jesus. Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Notice Jesus' response. Leave the dead to bury the dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Wow, is Jesus like insensitive? He can't let a guy go to a funeral? What's going on here? And then stop there. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but anytime you put but after I will, there's always a condition. I will, but. I will follow you, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus draws a clear line in the sand. He said, listen, if you're going to follow me, I am going to be first, not second. I'll not settle for one and a half. I will be first. And notice the number of times, and two times in those two examples, he says, let me first. Let me first. Let me first, let me first go do this. Let me first go do that. No, 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 no. Stop it right there. Following Jesus means fast. And fast means he is first. Another example in Jesus in Luke chapter 14. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, and his wife, and his children, and his brothers, and his sisters, just even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I was sharing this with a new believer one time in a discipleship situation. And I'll tell you this, you don't need to know anything beyond this. This person, this man, this new believer, at that point, got off the Jesus train and said, I can't follow Jesus. Because if I'm telling, he's telling me to hate my children and hate me. No, 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 no. He's telling you compared to how much you love me, it would look like as if you hate them. He's not calling us to hate our kids or hate our sister or hate our mother. But when it compares to what you will do for me and what, how you will live for me, listen, we're not talking about passivity. We're talking about, which is the second word, A, aggressiveness. There ought to be an aggressiveness about our following him. Are you aggressively following the Lord? Think about it. Aggressiveness. Am I aggressively pursuing him? Is, is, there, is, there, is it a laissez-faire? Am I in? Am I out? Am I wearing loafers or am I running, wearing running shoes? Listen, to follow Christ is an aggressive, all-out pursuit of him. Alan and Deborah Hirsch said it like this in their book, Untamed. Talking about being discipleship, being untamed. To be a truly radical, notice these words, disciple requires relentless evaluation. What are we doing today? We're talking about assessing. Relentless evaluation of life's priorities. That's what we're talking about today. And concerns. 
together with an ongoing rigorous critique of our culture to ensure that we are not adopting the values that subvert the very life and the message that we are called to live out. This is not something, if you're going to chase, pursue, be in this hot-hearted pursuit of Christ, that you're going to do in a passive kind of way. You will do it in an aggressive, all-out pursuit. S stands for selflessness. How much do I center my life on me versus Jesus? Is it all about me and what I want and how I want? And, And again, is it me first or is it this selfless desire to follow him to the end? When one of the most critical verses that we're going to take two weeks to pull apart in Luke 9. We're going to spend two weeks in this one passage. In Luke 9, 23, it says this. If anyone would come after me, follow me, fits into that. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily. Then he can follow me. See, here's here's the thing. Listen very carefully to this because I don't want you to miss this. If, if we're looking at here in some kind of linear fashion, and this is following Jesus, before I will ever follow Jesus, I must first deny myself. I got to get out of the way. I got to put myself on the altar. I've got to put my will on the altar. I've got to get Mike McDaniel off center stage. T stands for transformed. How is Jesus revolutionizing my life, changing, totally reforming, totally redeeming? Any other R-E word you want to throw in there? My life, renovating my life, transforming my life from the inside out. Now, here's what I want you to see whether it's first or aggressive or selfless or, or it's uh, tr- being transformed, every one of the names I'm about to give you, and I'm going to fly through the Old Testament in, in rapid speed, every one of these names that I'm going to give you lived the fast kind of life pursuing Jesus. You can go to the, uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of, uh, of Eden and you can find where they, in the cool of the day, would meet with God in a perfect world. They made time. They had relationship. God put them into the garden to be in relationship with him, not into religion. Put him in the garden to be in relationship. That was when it was all a perfect world. But they decided that they weren't going to just pursue God. They were going to pursue one lone tree and one thing over here. And they began to pursue something other than God. And when they pursued something other than God, then they got something other than God. And we have been dealing with the mess of that ever since in every generation. And we've been living in the mess of that. But I can tell you this, whenever you go through the Old Testament, you find glimmers of hope. When you go through the New Testament, you find spots of hope of people who were chasing, pursuing, longing, hungering, putting Jesus first in an aggressive kind of way. That's what I want us to be. That's what I'm calling us to be. When you look at the patriarchs, they were God chasers. Abraham was a God chaser. He would go even to places in Genesis 12. You can find this out. He'd go to places that he didn't even know he was going to go just because he was going to go pursuing God. God would show him the places that he was going to go. 
But in that, his own personal pursuit of God, he had family members living in a place called Sodom. And in Sodom, there was doing what Sodom does. And I'll let your imaginations go there. It was a place where they were pursuing their own passions. They were doing life and love their own way. And God said, listen, I can't, I can't allow this. This is not right. This is not good. It, it's, it can't go on like this. And so God is going to intervene with as much as he is love, he is justice. And he brings his justice into this, into this world as much as he brings his love into this world. And Abraham intercedes for the people. He says, no, 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 God, please, if I can find 50 righteous, just 50, 50, can find 50. Can I find 45? 45 be okay. What about 30? Can't find 45. Can I find 30 and that'd be okay? You'll give them grace if I can find 20, right? 20. All the way down to 10. Couldn't find 10 righteous people. Abraham was a man who sought after God, chased after God. Jacob was a man who sought after God. Whenever you find an intense seeking after God, chasing after God in Genesis chapter 34, when Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him. Now this man is believed to be God in the night, came breaking in the day. And and then he said, let me go and uh, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And there he blessed him. And Jacob called the name of, of, of the place Penel saying, for I have seen God face to face and yet my life has, has been and yet my life has been delivered. Here is Jacob in this all out, all night wrestling pursuit of, of God and he is wrestling with God. He says, I will not let you go. I will not let you go until you bless me. How many of us will spend all night seeking hard and fast after God and say, God, I will not go further. I will not make another move. I will not end this relationship. I will not stop uh, my career. I am I, not going to do anything else, God, until you guide and bless and you are in part of my life until you are the Lord of my life. All out, aggressively pursuing, pioneers, they were pursuers of God. They were chasers of God. When you go to uh, the people of Israel and he's, God's going to lead them in the promised land and, and he sends out 12 spies to spy out the land, not to vote whether or not they're going to go into the land or not, but that's what the committee comes back and they vote. And 10 said, no, we're not going to go in. But two said, we should go in. Caleb and Joshua said, yeah, we should go in. Caleb and Joshua were pioneers in the faith and they were pursuing God. And God at that point now holds them accountable. And, and, and the, the 10 spies that said no and all that generation behind them, they did not go into the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land. And this is what it says about Joshua, or this is what it says about Caleb. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, there was something different about Caleb. And follows me wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Integrity of his following. I will bring him into the land. God God tells in the book of Chronicles, he says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, strengthening those whose hearts are fully committed to him. There's absolutely an all-out pursuit for God and then God will strengthen those people's lives. The kings and the prophets were God chasers. When you look at David and his writing of the Psalms and other writers of the Psalms, 
What does it say there? It says that, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Hear the emotion behind that. Hear the intensity, the aggressiveness behind that. Psalm 42, verse 1, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. Psalm 143, My soul thirsts for you like a parched land, Selah. That word Selah is kind of a unique phrase. It's used about 74 times in the Scriptures. And it just means pause. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to pause for 30 seconds. And I want us to answer the question, am I thirsting for God? Think about it. The prophets were God chasers. Hosea called the people to break up the fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord. Isaiah was a God chaser. He says, earnestly I seek you talks about in the morning. Isaiah 40, 31, we know this passage of Scripture, very familiar. The Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not faint. Isn't that a beautiful passage? But right before that, it says, for those who wait upon the Lord. Those who are God chasers, those who are God pursuers. How many of us have read this verse from Jeremiah when Jeremiah 29, 11 says it like this? For I know the plans. In fact, read it out loud with me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. How many of y'all have read that verse before? Raise your hand. All right. A lot of people, a lot of people in high school claim that verse, college claim that verse. I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. But they don't read the next verse in the next verse. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. He will hear us, but what do we got to do? We got to go to him. We got to call upon him. And it doesn't end there. Hey, by the way, if you will seek me, chase me, pursue me, long for me, Come after me with how much? Half heart? Halfway? Meet me halfway? No, no, no. When you find me, when you search for me, seek for me with all your heart. It's an all-out pursuit. It's nothing half-hearted about this. Three questions I want you to ask yourself and really dive into them this week as you assess yourself. First of all, there's an intensity question, an intensity assessment and this is just about as simple as I put it on the cookies on the bottom shelf. Do you really, or maybe I should say, do you even hunger for God? Do you have a hunger for God? A longing for Him? Where you're all out, can't get enough of Him? I think we've all seen Usain Bolt and know the stories of his incredible speed. And this picture taken just the last Olympics where he's beating people by body lengths. Did anybody hear what he did yesterday? Came in third. Third. In the 100 meter race. I thought, how did, how did he go from one Olympics beating people by body lengths to coming in third? And here's the, the only question. I wonder if he's lost his hunger for the race. See, you can, you can be incredibly talented like a Usain Bolt. But if you lose your hunger for God, who cares? You just move on, right? Jesus said in his most famous message, 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You will not be filled until you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You can hunger and thirst all day long for all kinds of junk, and I got other words for that. But righteousness, you will be filled. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will come into place. Matthew 6, 33. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your affection, set your love, set your desires on things above, not on the things on the earth. Do you hunger for God? Maybe your prayer today is, Lord, I want to hunger. Or, Lord, give me a hunger to hunger for you. I have a, I want to, but I don't. I want to want to, but I don't. And some of y'all are, I'm sorry, you're sitting there apathetic. I, I don't know who you are, so I'm not casting judgment on anybody, but I just know the American lifestyle. If you can come in and go out of here in a heartbeat and think nothing of it, and I'm trying to arrest that, help you assess that, so you can adjust and make the proper adjustments. Second one is an intimacy question. How am I intentionally chasing God? Day in, day out of my life. We did a study in our, in our church. And I really appreciate you know, whether it's a survey on the phone or, or it's, uh, it's online. We really do take these to heart and we really do dive into them. And we just t- took one after our strategy meeting in June. And we have just peeled back the layers. We've had some of you guys peel back the layers on that. And a number of you, good number of you, filled this, this survey out. It was incredible and sad at the same time. Because you know what you said about your relationship with God? 11% of our members said they have an intimate relationship with God. That, as a pastor, breaks my ever-living heart. Good news. 60% of you say, I want one. That's why this series is where it is today. That's why the next series in Colossians is going to be where it's at. Everything about us this year is going to be about trying to help you pursue what the life that God intended you to live from the very beginning. And one of those is an intimate relationship just like Adam and Eve in the garden. Paul said this about his intensity of his aggressiveness of his faith and his walk. He said, I press on to take hold of that which, what did he take hold of? What was he longing after? What was he pursuing? What was he chasing? The reason that Christ Jesus took hold of me. I want to grab why Jesus grabbed me. What is it that it was the original intent of God in my, in my life that he chose me out of all of the people on the earth? Why did he choose you? Why did he choose me? I want to grab a hold of that. And I'm going to pursue that. How do I do that? Simple, simple, simple. I give him. I give him the first minutes of my day. I give him the first day out of every week. I give him the first dime out of every dollar. I give him the first consideration out of every decision. And you know what else I'm doing? I'm trying to look for what other first I can give him. Because he has got to be first. 
Number three. Third question is a community assessment question. With whom am I chasing God? This is not a lone race of you running through the wilderness, pursuing God. This is not you traveling the world, pursuing God all alone by your lonesome. This is a relay race where I have the baton and I'm passing it to you and you're going to get the baton and you're going to pass it to someone else. It's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 20, when he gives us the Great Commission. And he says it like this, teach these new disciples. He's speaking to his old disciples, so there must be some new ones now. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. So we're going to pass it on. And if we're not passing it on, what's wrong? If I'm not taking what God has given me, what's wrong? We say around here that that to be a disciple of Christ is to be coming a multiply, fully obedient multiplier of Christ. I am a disciple to make disciples. I'm not a disciple so I can look better, smell better, act better, so God will smile completely upon me. I am to become a fully obedient multiplier following Jesus. And that multiplier is a part of the process. With whom am I chasing God with? With whom am I chasing God? This is a combined pursuit of God. It was exactly what Paul said when he said, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul was able to look at his life and say, listen, I'm going to follow Christ. You follow my footsteps. Who's following with you? Who's with you? Who are you walking with? But maybe maybe before you go there, maybe you go to the first question. Do I even hunger for God? Would you bow your heads with me? I have one life and you have one life. I pray to God that my life will be one lived at the original intent of God's will for my life how I fit into his plan and I want to pursue him with everything that is in me and I want you to as well I don't want to go without you I want you to want to pursue Christ to chase him more than anything Today is a day of assessment. Where are you at? What are you chasing? Father, you know our hearts. May we pull back the veneer May we do as the prophet Hosea said, break up our fallow ground. It's time to seek 
the Lord. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. God, may we today be a church, a body of believers in northwest Arkansas that's going to the nations, that's pursuing you wherever you lead us.